Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this service, we hope to see you this Sunday at either 8.45 a.m. for our praise and worship service or 11 a.m. for our traditional service. Now, here's this week's message. I'm glad to be here with you today. Uh, Today we're continuing our belief series where we're looking at uh, 10 core Christian beliefs. And last week we kind of turned the corner from, uh, well, the first five weeks we talked about basically the gospel, what what the gospel was. And last week we kind of turned the corner to now looking at how we love one another and how these core beliefs that we're looking at really allow us to take the gospel out into the world. And today... We're going to continue this, and, and the topic we're going to talk about is rather challenging. It can get heavy. If those of you who went to Sunday school, you probably know. Uh, the topic can be very challenging. It's, it's challenging to me, but I just encourage you to stay engaged uh, because today is all about humanity. The, the key belief we're going over is this. I believe all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. I believe all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I'm sure many of you believe this. I believe this. But as you know, there are times when we may push back from it. Maybe not intentionally, but if we believe this, well, this will automatically change our approach Well, in in different situations of life. It will definitely change the way we view people, the things we talk about. But as a Jesus follower, just like you, I'm still trying to figure this out because it can be rather, well, rather challenging. So, for instance, one of my favorite things and something that gets me really excited about is talking about reaching unreached people groups. Have you guys ever heard of that? All right, unreached people group and uh, North uh, International Mission Board had a big thing about this. But an unreached people group is a group of people who less than 2% of the population are Christian. Meaning 98% don't know Christ, and it's, and it's so big that if people wanted to know the gospel, if people wanted to read the Bible, if people wanted to go to churches, there wouldn't be any for them to go to. So it's not a place that like kind of has church, people are just disengaged. I mean, there aren't churches, there aren't a Bible in their language, there aren't missionaries. So no matter how much they wanted to know, there's no way for them to know. And so when I start talking about reaching unreached people group, I mean, it gets me excited. When I heard that there were one billion people in India that didn't know the gospel. Did you know there are one billion people in India right now who do not know the gospel? In fact, if they wanted to know the gospel, they couldn't because there's not a church and there's not a Bible and there's just not places for them to do that. It is very unreached. So when I heard that there was a billion people, I said, Lord, I'm going. I'm, I told Jess, I said, we're going to India. We're going to go tell people. I don't speak the language or anything like that. I said, but that's what we're doing. We're going to go change this. We're going to go tell people about Jesus. Now, of course, he had a different plan for me. But so if people start talking about this, I meet missionaries. They get excited. I get excited. I mean, it's just, it's just a fun topic. So I'll be talking to someone. They'll say, yes, I'm going on rich people. Program. That's exciting. Where are you going? And they say, well, I'm going to Iraq. They say, well, I'm going to Afghanistan. As soon as they say that, I said, oh, well, I'm not going there. I'm not not helping them. You see, I've I've been to the Middle East, but I wasn't a missionary. 
I went in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom from 2007 to 2008 when I was in the Army National Guard. And now we had a very safe deployment. My group did. We didn't lose anybody, thank the Lord. Half of us were in Kuwait, somewhere in Iraq, and we traveled in between. I was with an infantry unit guarding the ports and all the stuff that comes in from the ports. But I had to walk around with a loaded M4. When we'd go over to Iraq, I'd have to wear a full armored vest. I'd have to wear all the gear. I'd have to be aware of situations, and we'd have to talk through things. I mean, I was very aware when I was on the bases listening for mortar fire, wondering if it was coming now. So I've been in those situations, and so I've been to the Middle East, so when someone says, hey, let's go over there and reach them with the gospel, I'm like, no. And Lord, forgive me for that. It breaks my heart that that's something I still have to work through because I know that the people there aren't bad. I know they need the gospel. In fact, I know Muslim extremists need the gospel. But I don't want to do it. And I know that my heart needs to change, and it has. I mean, I've gotten much better than before, but it's one of those pushbacks. It's one of those areas, one of those things that I immediately go, well, maybe the Lord will send somebody else. For instance, I know a couple of years ago, there was a big thing about the news. You remember when they dropped the mother of all bombs? Did y'all hear about that in the news over there? When they dropped the bomb, first thing I said was, it's about time they took it serious. I mean, about time they dropped something like that. And I went, oh, that's terrible, Lord. I shouldn't be excited they just dropped the bomb. That breaks my heart that I was excited. But then on the other hand, I don't want my brothers in arms over there getting shot at and blown up trying to... And so war's bad, isn't it? War makes things very complicated. And I'm just letting you know I struggle with that. What does that mean? What does that look like? And so I ask forgiveness and work through that with the Lord. And so while we talk about all this, I'm just talking about it to tell you that I struggle, that I have a hard time, that there are things I still got to work through and that the Lord is working on me with all this. Because while my story may be unique, maybe yours is pretty similar, I bet we all think there are expectations, I mean, excuse me, exceptions when it comes to the gospel and sharing our faith. There are exceptions to who God really loves. Because God loves everybody, but what about that neighborhood down the road that, you know, it's not so safe? Or what about that Aunt Susie or, or Uncle Johnny? We all have one in the family. We're like, we know the Lord loves everybody, but them, well, I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm definitely not going to talk to him about the Lord. Someone else can talk to him about the Lord, but I'm not. What about that person who's done terrible things to you in the past that really hurt you and your family? Maybe you hurt your wife or maybe hurt your mom or maybe hurt your child. What about that person? I mean, do they need the gospel? Are you willing to take it to them? So we all have these exceptions. We all have these things, stuff that we need to work through. It's easy to think everybody needs Jesus, but how that plays out practically and what we're willing to do with that can be very challenging. Today we're going to look at some Bible verses to hope, hopefully get all of us thinking about this. Because we see, of course, with John 3.16 that God loves the entire world, doesn't he? It's up here on the screen. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life life. The verse clearly tells us that God loves the world so much, instead of wiping us out, instead of destroying us, he came wrapped in human flesh and died for us. Paul reminds us in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died. 
So remember when the Bible talks about sinners, it's about being disobedient, and, and sin is not something God is happy with. So while we were enemies of God, while we were doing things counterproductive to the things he wanted done, he died for us. And so this morning, as we think about God's love and about how great God's love is for us, I want to look at some passage of Scripture to show you how the gospel and this idea of God loving everybody revolutionized the church. It revolutionized the world, I would say. But it wasn't always so easy, and it took time for God's people to get it. You see, what we're going to see is that everybody, I mean everybody, matters to God. Look at this with me, Mark 10, 13 through 16, it says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. So here Jesus is teaching. You know, the crowds would come. He's there teaching. People came to bring their children. The disciples would rebuke them, said, get those children out of here. Who would rebuke little children? The only people who ask that are those who don't have little children running around their house every single day. I promise you that. But, but who would rebuke them? See, we missed it. See, back then, children weren't esteemed like they are today. Children weren't valued like they are today. We kind of have it backwards from how they had it. See, back then, children weren't valued because they didn't know if they were even going to live, to be honest. They didn't even know if they were going to make it. They contributed nothing to the household. They sucked up resources. So children, they weren't that important. But senior adults were valued. It's as if we flipped that today, haven't we? Children are esteemed, kind of put above marriages and relationships now and well, senior adults aren't as valued as much. But we need to bring balance to that. But so back then they would rebuke them. Children weren't thought of as this, this great thing. But it says when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a child, like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed it in his hand, hands on them, and bless them. Jesus told them to change the way they view the things that are seen as insignificant or the people that are seen as insignificant in society. You see, they weren't doing anything. Again, we might look at that wrong or I'm, they just, that was their culture. That was their society. Children weren't esteemed. And so Jesus switches that on that. He flips them. In fact, he says, you need to have faith like the children. The ones that you're pushing aside, the ones that you think aren't important, you need to have faith like them because a child is utterly dependent upon their father or their mother. They're utterly dependent. They can't even get cups or drinks. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you what I'm going through. They can't do anything without their parents. So you're constantly doing things for them, and children have to trust. They know they don't have it all together, and so all of us, we have to be dependent upon Jesus like that. And so here, Jesus is saying, you don't rebuke the unimportant ones, the ones who you may look down upon who can't add as much or that don't seem as valuable. Don't rebuke them. Look how Paul applies this principle in the church of Galatia. He says this, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
So Paul's saying the gospel, the message of Jesus, should break these traditional common barriers. The nationalities that divide us, the languages that divide us, the positions in society, even gender. Paul says all of that stuff that once separated you, that caused you to be different, the gospel changes that. And he ties the gospel again all the way back to Abraham, all the way to the beginning, when God chose this man and said, I'm going to bring a nation from you, and that the whole world's going to be blessed because of you. He ties what Jesus has done back to that original promise and says, now we are all a part of that, where we are all one people now. So the traditional way we want to break people up, under that color over here, that language over here, well, the wealth is over here. The, the traditional way we view things, he says, no, not any longer. All people are loved by God and need Jesus. So it doesn't matter what skin color they are. It doesn't matter what language they speak. It doesn't matter what job title they have or what their position in society is. Everyone is important to God. And you see, the early followers of Jesus, they struggled with this. If, if you've read Acts chapter 10 through 11, you see Peter struggling with this idea. And he, he goes, he goes to Cornelius' house, but it was a struggle at first. We tell Paul when dealing with this idea of slaves and the caste system, who, who does what? We don't have slavery anymore, thank the Lord, but back then they did. But Paul says, who are slaves to Christ? He says, all of us. He says, so you think they're lower than you? No, no, we all have but one master. All of us are now in the position of slave. You're like, yeah, but you don't know my family. And he says, well, I'm God. And he wins. We are all slaves to Christ because we were bought and redeemed by him. So we all have a master. And then, of course, we see the thing with females, how Paul had several females, and females couldn't learn back then, but we see them learning. We see them going on sharing the message of Christ. And so what we see is the gospel. It's taken a long time. We're getting better, and it's taken us thousands of years to, to, to keep pushing this. But we see because of the gospel, our age isn't a thing. It's not important. Our nationality, our gender, our position in society, while all those are things, all of those don't separate us from the love of God because all people matter to God. And if you're a Christian, this next verse we're going to read may be challenging to you. If you're not a Christian, this may be very comforting to you. It says this, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, through he says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's where some of us start jumping up, start banging on the table, say, get them, Paul. Tell them. Tell them who's not getting in. But that's not the point. Look at what he says. He's not done. And he says, and that is what some of you were. You mean people in the church were adulterous? He says, yeah. You mean people in the church were, were doing those sins? He says, yeah. They're in the church that he's writing to because he's calling them out. He's saying, and some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We need to understand what Paul's saying here because it's very easy to pick on sin, isn't it? 
It's very easy to promote sins over other sins, especially when they become political. And for some crazy reason, we let the politicians drive our conversations. We start thinking some sins are worse than others or some sins need to be talked about more than others. What Paul is saying here is that through Jesus Christ, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've, what you've been through, no matter how big the sins are that you've committed, you can be washed, you can be sanctified, you can be justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot expect people who aren't Christians to act like Christians. Did you know that? Did you know that we try to impress our morals and values on people who don't claim the same faith? If somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ, don't be surprised by what they may do or how they may think. But it's introducing them to Jesus, and by His Spirit, we believe that will change. So Paul's saying it doesn't matter what sins you've done. You can be welcomed into the church through Jesus Christ. Meaning you can come as you are, but you can't stay there. Through Christ, each and every one of us have been called to move to holiness. This idea of sanctification. That we're continually growing to be more like Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what color you are doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter your position in society. And it doesn't matter what sins you've committed. All people matter to God. And he's died for all of them. That's why John 3.16 again reminds us, for God so loved the world, that's all of us, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. So we just have a couple of application points for us. Maybe you're struggling with this. Maybe you know somebody who's struggling with it. But I bet if we were all to be honest, which I know this is challenging, I bet if we'd all to be honest, this can really transform our hearts. It can really help us see people a little bit different because the first step is see people how God sees them. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. All people are made in the image of God. We have value because the creator created us. We are all broken. We are all in desperate need of a savior. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 9.35-36. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had, what is that? Compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on the same people who would later turn against him. The people who would yell, crucify and kill him, he had compassion on if you knew somebody was going to yell, crucify you, would you have compassion on them? To which Jesus did. He sees people differently. And you and I both know it's easy to look down upon somebody. It's easy to not understand what other people have gone through. We can look at someone's sin. We can look at someone's house. We can look at their cars, their clothes, their education, their family environment. It's super easy to make these judgmental comments and things about people not having a clue 
what they've been through. And you may have had it hard. You may have had it difficult. But your story isn't their story. And we just have to remember that. That it's not our call to look down and judge anybody. What if instead of judging, what if we showed compassion? What if our heart broke for them? What if we started looking at ways to help them? And help them know Jesus. Because if we see people the way God sees them, that all has value and he died for us all, then we'll treat them the way he treats them. Look at what Psalm 103 says. 103. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Are we compassionate? Are we gracious? Are we forgiving? We're going to talk about compassion all next week. If you have a hard time forgiving, which I believe as a pastor, that's one of the biggest things people need to overcome. I believe it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks, and it will stop you from going in your faith quicker than probably anything. Because Jesus, well, does he ask us to forgive or tell us to forgive? Tells us to forgive. Forgiving is one of those things we can't get out of. I don't have all the verses here to show you, but I promise you it's true. It's one of those things we're constantly commanded because if we forgive, we're forgiven. That's how he puts it. Forgiveness will stop you, will hinder your spiritual growth. What would happen if we really extended forgiveness the way God extends it to us? Knowing that they need it, knowing they hurt us, knowing they owe us, knowing all of that is true, but we still said, you don't owe me anything anymore. And we forgave them as Christ forgives us. So we see people how God sees them. We treat people how they treat them. Just talking about forgiveness there or whatever else you may need to think through. And then we need to live and share the gospel. We need to live the gospel and we need to share the gospel If all people need Jesus as their Savior, then we need to tell people about our Savior. As we talked about last week, if you missed it, it's online. The gospel will drive us in three directions. The gospel will drive us in intimacy with God. It will drive us in a community with other people. But it will drive us to tell the world about Jesus. The greatest need every human being has is Jesus. It's the hope that comes from him the redemption and forgiveness that is offered from him. Look at how Peter puts it. He says in 1 Peter 2.12, he said, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter urges us to live in such a way that brings glory to God. That even though people may think we're wrong, even though people think we're doing the wrong things, by what we do, they end up glorifying God. Now here's the catch. This doesn't mean we don't tell people about Jesus. Say, well, Brian, that's what I'm doing. I just live my faith. I do good things, and then they'll glorify God. Well, what God will they know to glorify if we don't tell them? So we, we got to put the message with the methods. we got to show our faith, but we also need to be very vocal about who our faith is in. Look at this story. I mean, this, this breaks my heart. It's, it's from a quote in a book. It says, Yet in our explanations to others, we so often forget to give them Jesus. 
In his, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Donald Whitney writes, I heard the story of a man who became a Christian during an event evangelistic emphasis in a city in the Pacific Northwest. When the man told his boss about it, his employer responded with, That's great. I am a Christian and I've been praying for you for years. But the new believer was crestfallen. Why didn't you ever tell me you were a Christian? You were the very reason I have not been interested in the gospel all these years. How can that be, the boss wondered. I have done my very best to live a Christian life around you. That's the point, explained the employee. You lived such a model life without telling me it was Christ who made the difference. I convinced myself that if you could live such a good and happy life without Christ, then I could the author says, I wonder how often our good moral lives, disconnected from any gospel explanation, convince people they don't need Jesus. While our good works are great, we can never detach them from the message. Our good works do not save anybody. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And I know it's common. I know it's, I know it's scary. I know it's hard to talk about this stuff. I have a grandfather who would get so mad if we talked about Jesus. My aunt didn't believe she, her lifestyle was very different. And we talked about this. He would get so furious. He would not allow anybody to talk about it. And so we didn't. My grandfather died without knowing Jesus. And it bothers me to this day. I wish I would have been bold enough to make my granddad mad. See, O'Brien, I mean, who wants to make their granddad mad? I didn't. You ever, did your granddad ever get mad? You remember that? When your granddad got mad, it was different, right? You don't mess with granddad being mad. He was, nuh-uh. I was so worried about him being mad, I didn't tell him about the hope in Jesus enough. And that's something I got to live with. But be bold in sharing our faith. Not just good works. Be bold in telling people about Jesus. Because he is the only hope. Paul says it like this in Romans 10, 14 through 15. He says, how? Then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You get Paul's argument. He's saying, we gotta. How can people believe if we don't point them to the one who they need to believe in? You know, all of us have been sent into the mission field every single day. Every single one of us, whether it's your career, whether it's that organization you're a part of, that club you're a part of, those ladies you get together with, that book plug club you go to, all of us have been sent by God into the world carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us are missionaries. What if we realized and we were sensitive to the prompting of the spirits that every day we could show and share the love of Jesus Christ? What if we really looked for God prompting in our lives? 
And I know it's difficult. I know it can be challenging. I remember when I was in the construction industry, we did these big jobs. I was an electrician. And being a Christian, a Christian sharing his faith on a construction site can be very challenging, especially when you're just a low-level employee. I mean, I got made fun of. I got picked on because some of the things they did, I didn't want to do. And I'm not saying feel bad for me at all. Please don't. I'm just telling you it was tough. But what was great is when I actually got to share it with people who were receptive. Standing up on a ladder, having someone give their life to Jesus Christ, I'll never forget. Are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable? Some of us are in positions where we wouldn't have to be uncomfortable. We kind of run the show, don't we? We go in, anybody would listen to us. Are you willing to be a little bold for Jesus Christ? Because all people matter to God. And when you live this out, you'll have more opportunities to share your faith than you've ever had before. And I don't have all the answers. I, like you, am trying to work through what the gospel means and and how it can impact my everyday life and things i got to work through. But can you imagine the difference we could make in our community if we did this? If every single one of us went into our workplaces unashamed of the gospel and boldly told people about it. You'd be amazed at the people who'd be receptive. The people who are open and want to know about Jesus. And I believe as you do that God is still speaking, moving today. So in a moment, we're going to have a time of reflection, a time of where we're going to just listen from, listen to the Lord. And maybe some of us need to repent. We need to repent from how we view that certain type of people. Those over there or those people who do that. When we realize that God loves everyone, even that person that's hurt you, even that person who's hurting you, it can change our hearts. And that's the goal if we allow the gospel to change our hearts. We can't control what they do, but we can control what we do. Watch what God can do through that. So maybe you need to mend some relationships. Maybe you need to adjust your attitude towards a certain group of people who you don't understand or whatever that may be. Maybe we just need to rethink how God views everybody. Maybe we really need to pray for forgiveness. I don't know what your story is and I don't know what you're going through. But we believe and I hope you can embrace that all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and ask you to just help us see people the way you do. Lord, maybe our family was raised and and we were taught that certain groups of people or certain color of skins or the way people act that, that we couldn't talk with them or they're not worthy or they're not good enough. But Lord, we just ask that you break our hearts for them. Help us treat people with love and compassion with grace. Forgive us for the sins we've done. Forgive us for how we viewed people. And help us to extend forgiveness to others, those who've hurt us or are hurting us. Father, I pray that each and every one of us are bold in sharing our faith. That we look for and watch for opportunities to do good things, 
but also to do those good things and point them back to you. Because we know our salvation is found in Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.